The Teammate Reference Problem in Final Stage Demon Confrontation by Constance Cooper Aside from the deadly peril to life, limb and soul, one of the most problematic aspects of demon hunting is building an effective team. The frequent tragic vacancies are to be expected, of course, but many fail to recognise the other, more insidious difficulties, such as the one I'd like to explore today, the dilemma of names. Colleagues, ours is a uniquely demanding profession. In no other job do you endanger your co-worker's soul if you call out to him in the course of your duties. But since a demon has power over you once it knows your name, well-meant warnings such as Buck! Behind you! can have tragic consequences. Still, coordinating a team action requires communication and demon hunters have over the years developed a variety of strategies to deal with the problem. Sadly, as most of you are well aware, none are entirely successful. Some hunters use only nicknames within the team. However, studies have found that after a few years, these become as ingrained as real names, at least for demon purposes. Hellspawn, after all, do not need legal names, but only those which provoke a soul-deep identification in their owners. The technique of nicknames you hate has been only partly effective in curbing such identification and produces as a side effect a woeful decline in team morale. A related strategy is that of temporary on-the-spot nicknames. But, as well as creating confusion, this can also hinder team bonding for the same reasons as nicknames you hate. When engaged in a vicious firefight with a sulphur demon, even the staunchest of demon hunters may not be able to summon enough creativity to get beyond, hey, fatso. Several well-known teams have adopted a system in which members are assigned a code, such as a colour or animal, for the duration of a hunt. Again, problems arise. In the heat of battle, it may be hard to remember what code the teammate behind you was assigned that day. Wearing the colours or emblems in a visible form, such as a headband or an extra-large t-shirt over body armour, helps only when the colleague is in view and is counterproductive in cases where a sneak attack is planned. Assigning the same code habitually to the same person removes the memory gap, but restores the original problem of nickname identification, often in exacerbated form. Being soul-called by a demon is bad enough without the embarrassment of finding that you identify deeply with the name Red Five or Rabbit West. Two-person teams offer a simple way out, but most professional hunters agree that the optimal team to reduce injuries and fatalities to an acceptable level must contain at least four members. The only two-person team currently operating is that of One-Eared Murphy and Ernie Scars Kaufman, who are known to refer to each other as Dude in battle situations. Is open-air acoustic signalling really necessary? In my survey of team procedure, I found only one set of hunters using an alternative, headsets for private intra-team communication. Their leader confessed that in most operations, radio contact is damped completely by the demon's rage emissions. More rarely, as in the case of an ether demon, 
transmissions are picked up easily by the infernal being itself. In practice, the main benefit of the headsets is the ability to listen to music individually while in transit to an infested site. The team leader claimed that avoiding the dissension previously associated with control of the van stereo was a huge step forward for his group. He opined that the improvement in harmony among team members has more than compensated for the increased fatalities among those who unfortunately choose to listen to music during combat. A true cost-benefit analysis falls outside the scope of this talk, but it seems clear that private electronic communication is not the answer to the teammate reference problem. I'd like to draw your attention to an intriguing trend which I uncovered in the course of my interviews and extensive obituary research. I refer to the phenomenon of name overriding between demons and hunters. These rare but fortunate circumstances, in which the hunter happens to have the same name as the demon, result in a nearly 65% demon extirpation rate due to demon despair when the hunter's name is vocalised. Name overriding has increased markedly in the current human generation, possibly due to the resurgent popularity of the obscure biblical names also favoured by demons. Sadly, we cannot expect this trend to continue. Forensic augury on the remains of a demon nest recently revealed demon larvae and juveniles carrying the names of Dolores, Irma and Wendell, indicating that the demon world has begun to recognise and respond to this threat. In conclusion then, the name usage problem during demon confrontation continues to confound researchers and vex surviving professionals in the field. Unfortunately, the strongest recommendation I can offer at this time is to avoid using names whenever possible. The demon hunter should ideally cultivate this habit in all areas of his life until it becomes a reflex. I see we have a few minutes for questions before the next talk. Yes, there, in the front, my colleague in the leather jacket. No, I mean the fellow with the eye patch. Not you, the other one, with the smaller scar, third from the left, front row. Yes, you. The teammate reference problem in Final Stage Demon Confrontation by Constance Cooper was read by Frank Key for EscapePod at escapepod.org. Here's a short list of topics which have been addressed in recent months on the radio programme Hooting Yard on the Air. The Shelling of Peas, The Magic Mountain, Ayn Rand's Funeral Song, The Giant Terrifying Mountains of Tantarabim, The Ukrainian Bee Counting Game, Hendiardis in Mudshoot, A Smashed God, Fictional Athlete Bobnit Tivol, The Bilgewater Elegies, The Bottomless Viper Pit of Gar, and a series of unfortunate cows. Hooting Yard on the Air, written and presented by Frank Key, can be heard live on Resonance 104.4 FM at 4 o'clock on Wednesday afternoons and is repeated at 8.30 on Saturday mornings. Pod people can obtain podcasts of past shows from the Resonance website.